And uh, this Easter morning, uh, I believe, uh, I don't care if this, if this only relates to, I know we're, we're, gonna, we're all going to relate to it, but there may be one or two that even as I was singing the song, you were saying in your heart, you know what, that's where I am right now. Let me try and put it like this, okay, before I get into the message. Let me try and illustrate it. Um, I remember watching a, a Star Trek movie one time. And um, in this movie, I was fascinated because there was a massive energy cloud just racing across the universe. It was eating up planets. It was eating up galaxies. And so they sent for Captain Kirk and the Enterprise team to find out what the problem was. So they flew right into the cloud. And in the center of the cloud, they found a crater, a big crater. And in the middle of the crater, there was a machine. And it seemed like all this anger and all this uh, frustration and all this stuff going on emanated from this machine. So they got up closer to the machine and they discovered that it was a NASA probe that had been sent into the universe thousands of years ago. Watch. And it had malfunctioned. And uh, they got right up to the machine and they, they started to, to, to look at the machine and they realized this is a NASA probe that has malfunctioned. It was disorientated. It was angry. It was lost. And the reason for all the anger and the frustration and the rushing, it was simply trying to find its creator. Who am I? Why am I here? What's my purpose? And so, when I saw that, I'm, I'm watching this in the movie and I'm thinking, how many times have I been in that place? Even as a Christian, even as someone who's been in the ministry for many years, sometimes something comes into my life suddenly and I, I get into a place where I'm, I'm frustrated. I, I, and some of you may be in that situation right now. Perhaps I've diagnosed where you are this morning. You've, you were on course. Man, were you on course. You were going for it. There was a clear road ahead. Some of you, your, your life had purpose. Your heart had a dream. Your spirit had a home but you've malfunctioned. Just like that machine malfunctioned, something has come into your life. It may have been sudden, it may be gradual, but it's caused you to malfunction as a Christian, as a person. Perhaps a betrayal you never saw coming. Perhaps a heartbreak that you're really struggling to deal with. Perhaps a tragedy that's just come uninvited. Or perhaps maybe even a bad decision. And some of you may be beating yourself up because of a bad decision. 
and you wish you could go back and change the decision, but you can't, and you're suffering the consequences, maybe not of your decision, but even somebody else's decision, and all this stuff is going on, and it's caused you to malfunction. Well, listen, God has sent this little hobbit from the Shire this morning to get you back on track. Come on, somebody, say amen right here. So watch this. So the reason why I say this is because I, I thought of Peter on the, on the first Easter. He malfunctioned, lost his way, blew it. You talk about a bad decision. We know the decision that Peter made. Oh, I'll follow you, Jesus. We'll be looking at that in a minute. And the rooster crowed. And the, uh, the question I want to ask is this. You know, we all point our finger at Peter for denying Jesus 2,000 years ago. But let me ask you a question. What do you do when the rooster crows for you? And for some of you, you're sitting here and the rooster has crowed for you and you don't know what to do. And like Peter, you've surrendered against your convictions. That's the worst thing. Why did I do that? And you try to grab that thing back, but you've surrendered against your convictions, and shame has caused you to malfunction. Let's, let's have a look at what happened to Peter. If you're still with me, say amen right here. Watch this. Matthew 26, verse 20 to 25. Now, they, they were, let me just give you a prelude here. So they, they're sitting in the upper room. They've had the Last Supper. We all know it very well. The disciples are pumped. I mean, they've just been arguing who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom that's about to come. Because they thought Jesus the Messiah was going to overthrow the Roman government in Jerusalem, set up his kingdom, and the 12 disciples, they're going to be on the board. My God, they were pumped. And they were arguing amongst themselves. Who's going to sit where? Think of the mindset. This is where they were, okay? So then, Matthew 26, then they sang a hymn. And they went out to the Mount of Olives. Think about now, this is the mindset of the disciples. Can you imagine them following Jesus out of that room? My God, this is going to be awesome. He's going to smack the Roman Empire down into the dust, set up his kingdom. And I wonder what seat I'm going to be on. So they went out to the Mount of Olives. And on the way, Jesus told them, he stopped. He says, guys, all of you. All of you tonight, all of you are going to desert me. You're talking about bursting a bubble. I mean, my God. But after I have been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you and I will meet you there. And just a thought here, in spite of their upcoming disloyalty, he says, in spite of your upcoming hypocrisy, I'm still going to lead you, I'm still going to love you, and I'm still going to use you. Come on, don't we serve a wonderful Savior? Amen. Give him a clap, somebody, because this is awesome. Now, this is so cool. This is why I love Peter. Can you imagine? They were stopped in their tracks. 
What? Peter particularly. Me desert you? You are you talking to here? Peter the rock, the revelation receiver? Watch. And Peter declared, he was miffed. This was an offense that Jesus would even think about it. So Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, spirit of Shakespeare came on him, even if everybody else deserts you, I will never desert you. Peter, just shut your mouth. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter. This very night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me not once, not twice, but three times that you even ever knew me. Peter, now's the time to shut your gob. You know what I'm saying? Not Peter. What? And then he comes up with it. Real. He was on stage now. He says, even if I have to die, I will never deny you. And the disciples said, and so say all of us. <laughs> well, actually, actually it says, and the other disciples said the same. Oh, hey, this is the material Jesus was going to use to change the world. There's hope for every single plonker in this room. Come on, somebody, say amen. Don't, don't, don't deify these guys. And we all know what happened. We all know that Peter denied him and the, all that stuff. But what do, you, what do you do when the rooster crows for you, revealing a traitor lurking in your heart you never realized was there? Come on, don't look at me so holy. He pops up in your heart too, right? Carry on, Luke 22, let's carry on the narrative. And the little girl said, hey, Hey, so, so, so Peter denied Jesus, and now he's warming his hands by the fire. And a little girl sees him and says, Hey, hey, I know who you are. You, you, you followed that Jesus. I saw you with him. There's Peter. Man, I don't know what you're talking about, Luke 22. And immediately, while Peter was still speaking. You want to check out in the, in the New Testament every time that phrase comes up. When Peter was still speaking. <laughs> the Holy Spirit was always interrupting him. Enough now, enough, enough. Watch. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And at that moment, the Lord turned. They were just dragging Jesus out of a place where they nearly flogged him to death. And as he was coming out, Peter was there. The rooster crowed. See the picture. And as at that moment, the Lord turned and he looked at Peter. And the words flashed through Peter's mind before the rooster crows. You'll deny three times that you even knew me. Watch this. And Peter left the courtyard malfunctioned. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. These weren't tears that said, oh, well, I made a mistake. God will cover it. These weren't tears that said, shouldn't have done that. I'll do better next time. These were tears that actually said, there is no next time for me. 
after what I've done, after what I've said, after the way I behaved, there is no next time for me. Peter surrendered against everything he believed, and the rooster exposed the hypocrisy in his heart, and shame caused him to malfunction, and he found a place to weep. <laughs> what a revelation to discover after all our singing hymns in church, <laughs> after all our declarations through the worship songs, we discover that our love for Jesus really isn't what we thought it was. That's, that's, that's a horrendous revelation to have. And Peter discovered his love for Jesus was not what he thought it was, and that is where some of you are right now. And like Peter, you've made a declaration of loyalty to Jesus only to discover a traitor lurking in your heart. The rooster has crowed for you, and you don't know what to do. You've malfunctioned. You've lost your way. Is God there for me anymore? Does God love me? Will he use me? Da da da, da. And that's where you are. Well, I got some great news for you. Because, are you ready for this? Come on, somebody say amen. This is what you have to do to get back to the place where you were. This is what you have to do to get from that place of, 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 of weeping bitterly to rejoicing with God again. Are you ready? If you can remember these things, these are the things you have to do to get pack to where you were. Here we go. Nothing. Because Jesus has paid the price for every single one of your sins, your failures, your mistakes, and your bad decisions. Come on, man. Give the Lord some praise in this house. Watch this. I'm going, I'm going somewhere. Is this helping anybody here today? Watch. So let's get back to the illustration with the probe. So Captain Kirk looked at the probe and it said this, if malfunctioned, press in this code. So he pressed in the code. Doot, 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 doot. And what happened? That's who I am. All the anxiety, all the rushing about, all the frustration, all the anger. Because the code was punched in. Man, that's who I am. That's why I, that's my purpose. And that's what's going to happen in the next few moments in people's lives right here. Because I'm going to punch in the code. How many of you are ready to receive the code? Come on, somebody say, here it is. Here's the code. 4316. <laughs> the fourth gospel. The third chapter. The 16th verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever that whosoever believes that's it's as simple as that it doesn't say for whosoever repents it doesn't say for whosoever gets his life together first no, he says, for whosoever believes that I've done it all for them.
Come on, somebody, say amen in this house. And I'm, let me try, I'm, I, let, let me bring this to a, an, an application and a close here. And the reason why that code works is because what we don't understand, what we, don't re- what we need to realize, because whether you like it or not, you, you, whether, <laughs> I don't care how holy you think you are in, in your own works, I'm holy because Jesus made me holy. He gave me his holiness. So it's not about my praying or my preaching or my, my good looks. It's not about any of that. Or my height. It's not about any of that. No. And the reason why, this, the reason why believing in that, believing in his love for you, believing in the price he paid for you, the reason why that is so powerful, watch this, is because of the cross. Christian, listen to me very carefully. Because of the cross, you were forgiven before you failed. Come on, man. I mean, it only happens in Christianity. No other religion works like this. You've got to work for God's pleasure, work for God's approval. Not in Christianity. Jesus done it for us. And because of that, because of the cross, because of Easter, you were forgiven before you, were f- before you failed. If only Peter had remembered. You see, the reason why P- Peter wept bitterly is because he only remembered half the sentence that Jesus told them. All he could remember was, you're going to deny me. That's all he could think of. I denied, I denied, I failed, I messed up. But there was another half to Jesus' statement. You're going to deny me, Peter. But I will go ahead of you. Peter, you're going to mess up many times, bro. But I'm always ahead of your mistakes. I'm always ahead of your sin. I'm always ahead of your failure. Come on, somebody. We serve a faithful, wonderful, loving God. Man, Jesus is way ahead of your mistakes and your failure and your sin because that's what grace is all about the grace of God is God gives you what you don't deserve and some of you have failed and messed up watch doing the will of God man what happens when you fail doing the will of God remember Peter stepping out of the boat he walks on the water we all know the story and we all criticize, oh, Peter sunk. Have you ever tried walking on water? Give me a break. I tried it in the bath. Hey, he walked on a storm, folks. And he saw the waves and he began to sink. Watch. So Peter stepped out doing the will of God and failed. So what do you do when your faith fails? Well, read the story. This is what my Bible says. When Peter began to sink, watch, grace reached out. When your faith fails, grace reaches out. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, you don't fall. You don't fall away from grace. You fall into it. And grace lifted him up and brought him back to the boat. No, listen. Because of the cross, you were forgiven before you failed. 
And then finally, what Peter should have realized, he misinterpreted the look. You see, when they brought Jesus out from being flogged, he was practically irrecognizable as a human being. Even the passion of the Christ, as horrific as that scene is, it's not even close to what actually happened. And as Jesus was brought out, the Bible says, and Jesus turned and looked at Peter, and Peter, that look went into Peter's heart, and he thought, I'm a horrible person for denying. And that look, that, that look, it was like, it was like, a, for Peter, a look of condemnation. He interpreted, Peter, how could you, after all I've done for you? But he misinterpreted the look. And I did a little bit of study into this. And when they used to flog the criminals before crucifixion, the scourger would stand in front of the victim. Because many of the criminals would, be, would die at the scourging post. It was so severe. And that by law, they should die on the cross. So, so the scourger would stand in front of the victim. And when he saw the life leaving the eyes, he'd back off. Because crucifixion had to do its job. Now, when they flogged Jesus and beat Jesus up, they did something really strange. In the book of Luke, it says, they blindfolded him. And I thought, my imagination went a bit wild. I thought, why blindfold Jesus when he's tied to a post and you're flogging him? Do you know what I believe? <clears throat> As that scourger stood in front of Jesus with all the hate in his eyes, he couldn't cope with the gaze of compassion that looked back at him. Cover the eyes. And I believe that Peter wished he'd had a blindfold then. That look. But he misinterpreted the look. You see, this is what I believe to be true. And the Bible says, and Jesus turned and looked at Peter. Do you know what Jesus was saying in that look? Peter, I've got this. I've got this, bro. I've got this. And you know, there are some of you here, and probably it's because of religious preaching. Thank God you don't get it in this church. But because of religious teaching, you have misinterpreted the look. And you're living in your shame and you're weeping bitterly. I've come to tell you, when Jesus looks at you with all our mess-ups and all our failure, Jesus didn't die like this. He died like this. And when he looks at you, when you are dealing with the shame because of a bad decision, because you've surrendered against your conviction, he looks at you and he says, I've got there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that so whoever believes. And do you know Jesus has sent me here this morning 
to tell you. He's got this. He's got you. He loves you. You are forgiven. And it's time to stop weeping. And it's time to start serving God again. We all know the story how Jesus restored Peter. And it was about this time, just a few days later after the resurrection, Peter still hadn't dealt with this. He misinterpreted the look and he says to his disciples, his mates, he says, I, I'm going to work. I'm going back to work. That's what we do when we try to block stuff out, right? Let, let's, for me, it's I'm going to play golf, right? Uh, or some of you, I'm going to watch TV for three days. Or we just want to block it out. And I'm, going, I'm going back to work. I'm, I'm going fishing. So he gets on a boat with his mates and he's fishing, trying to block everything out, still dealing with the shame. And then they, the Bible says they fish all night and they catch nothing. Do you know what he's thinking, I believe? See, God's judging me now. See, that's why, my, that's why things are going wrong in my life, because God's judging me. That's why my business is suffering. God's judging me. That's why this has happened in my life, because God's judging me. I want to tell you, God never, ever judges you like that. But that's how Peter was. I fished all night. And then the resurrected Jesus is on the shore. We know the story. And Peter doesn't recognize him. And he shouts out, he says, Hey, guys, have you caught anything? And Peter thinks, is that guy trying to be funny or something? He's really miffed, right? He's miffed with himself, miffed, worked all night, absolutely knackered, hadn't caught anything. Why didn't you just shut up? That's what he's thinking. Is, no, no, nothing. Well, if you, if you put the nets on the other side of the... Do you know what? I'm, you... You're making this, put the nets on the other side. Really? Right. So that you know the story. The nets were full of fish. Watch this. Get this now. There's so many lessons here. The generosity of God does not depend upon your behavior. The generosity of God is based on his grace and his grace alone. And he'll fill your nets even when you're away from God. He'll bless you even when you think you failed. Why? To show you that it's by the grace of God and the grace of God alone that you are blessed. And the nets are full. The nets are full. Now, this is what grace does. This is even more amazing. Then grace shouts to them, bring me some of the fish that you caught. Well, they'd fished all night and caught nothing. It was grace that caught the fish, then gave them the credit. Come on, somebody. Say amen right here. That's what grace does. And then Peter realizes who it is. And do you know what he does? He starts to count the fish. He's thinking, well, there must have been, there was 138 fish. Check it out. He must have been thinking, well, now, this is too good to be true. I know what I am. I know how, you know, God is not going to bless. And there must be 138 things I did right. That's why I'm, no. See, see, that's what religion does. That's what, now, I want to tell you, man, Jesus is here this morning. And he is saying, hey, listen, I've got this. It's time to get restored. It's time to receive the code, the love of God, the unconditional love of God. 
And it's done. I want to finish with this. Did I say that once? I, this is the last finish, right? This is the last finish. What's the time? Oh, it's only three o'clock. It's fine. Listen, no, I'm nearly done. I'm going to finish, then I'm going to pray, and then lives are going to be changed now, here. So I'm, I'm, on, a, I'm on a plane coming back from Norway, and I'm, I'm sitting there. And normally, after I preach for like four days, I don't really like people that much. I just want to be with my dog, you know what I mean? And so uh, I'm sitting there, I'm on a plane, I don't want to speak to anybody. But this guy comes and sits by me, and he had plaster on his foot. So obviously he'd, he'd, he'd broken his foot. And for some reason I, uh, I just said, hey, what, what have you done to your foot? And he said, oh, I've been skiing up in Norway, and I broke my foot, and i got to go home. I cut my holiday short. And then we started talking, and, uh, and I said, so what do you do then? And he said, well, I'm a... I'm a, I'm a and very shyly, he said, well, I'm a, I'm a portrait artist. Well, I thought, this is the end of this conversation. <laughs> the only thing I know is the Picasso and Mona Lisa. That's about it, really. So, so I said, have you painted anybody famous to the conversation? He said, well, actually, he said, I'm the personal portrait artist for the British royal family, particularly the Queen. Now, this is the end of the conversation, right? I said, What? He said, yeah, he said, uh, I'm, I'm, when I get my foot healed, I'm on my way to the Vatican to, uh, to, I've been contracted to paint a portrait of the new Pope. And I thought, my gosh. And then, I, and then he says to me, what do you do? Oh, yes. <laughs> I never say I'm a preacher. Try it. I, I, I used to do, I'm a preacher. Huh? Uh, can I have a cup of tea, please, love? <laughs> Conversation ended, right? So, and, 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 uh, and, uh, and, and it came, it came out of my mouth. I'm a preacher. I thought, why, why did I say that? And then he said, you know what, Ray? He said, when I came to sit by you, uh, he said, I'm not a religious person. But he said, when I sat by you, I looked at you, and I thought, there's something different about this man. You see, we don't realize, listen, we are more than followers of Jesus. We are carriers of Jesus. We carry his presence with our smile, with our look, with our presence. He lives in us. Come on, somebody, say amen. So watch this. So, uh, so he said, can I tell you something I've never told anybody? He said, 15 years ago, I had a dream. I'm not religious. In the dream, I, I saw this man, and I just knew it was Jesus. And I'm on my knees, and I'm pouring out all my sins, bad, 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 bad sins. He said, I'm a portrait artist. I can take emotion from a face and put it on canvas. It's a gift. And when I was pouring out all my sins, I looked at Jesus' face, and it was unmoved. It was like, yeah. But then right at the end, I said, but you know what, Jesus? I just don't believe in you. And he said, that's when his eyes dropped in disappointment. And I woke up. He said, can you tell me the meaning of the dream? Oh, baby, baby, come home. So I, so I said, you know what, Alex? You have just explained to me what theologians have tried millions of words to describe. I said, do you know why Jesus' face was not moved? Because when you poured out all your junk? He says, no. I said, because he's paid for every one of them. When he died on the cross, 
all your sins. He took upon himself. He took the judgment you deserved and said, paid in full, you're forgiven. Do you know why his eyes dropped in disappointment? He said, no. I said, because you don't believe it. He said, really? Is it that simple? I said, yes. I said, I'm not going to pray for you now. You go home, talk to Jesus again tomorrow, and sort it. That's what I said. I said, sort it. He went on. I had a text the following day. One word, sorted. Come on, somebody say amen. Look at me, look at me. You need to sort it right now. You haven't got to do anything. I'm not asking you to change your life. I'm not asking you to repent and come out here and cry and snot all over the floor. I'm not asking you for that. I'm asking you to receive the code and believe that it works. I want you to close your eyes right now, everybody. And I want you to just close your eyes. Get locked in. Just you and him, okay? Forget the person around you. Forget me. Forget anybody else. Just you and him. And if one I've said, I know, I know there are people here that have malfunctioned. Like Peter, you want to get back on course. Well, all I'm asking you to do, I'm going to pray a prayer like this, okay? Jesus, I've misinterpreted your look. I've messed up. But I believe this Easter that when you died on the cross, you sorted it for me. Thank you that I'm loved, I'm accepted, and I believe this Easter morning that I am forgiven and I receive forgiveness in your name. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every single person in this room. And I thank you that when they leave this building, they will know something has changed in their heart. Thank you for the privilege of serving you and being with you. You're, you're the best friend we've ever had. And Lord, I bless these people. I bless them with joy and peace and, 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 and health and everything that is good. Bless them with everything that is good and protect them from everything that is bad. And everybody said, Amen. And give the Lord another hand clap in the house right here.